hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Hunts to Humans. I am so excited today to have my friend, Gladdy here. Um, she was in Beachbody. Um, before we get started, I just want to remind you that um, today we are talking about some sensitive topics such as suicidal ideation and sexual assault manipulation within the MLM. So if you're not feeling well about those topics today, please feel free to skip this episode or come back another time to listen when you're in the right headspace. But um, I hope that you're all doing well today and I hope you enjoy this episode if you're able to listen. All right, you want to take it away and start telling your story? Absolutely. Hi, I'm so glad that I am here. This is so exciting. Um, Yeah, so like Danielle mentioned, my name is Gladdy. Like, I'm glad to see you. (laughs) And I was in Beachbody. Um, I was in Beachbody for a little over a year, and I was in it full time. I was a part of an elite team. Um, So like my my direct upline, she hit premiere, but then my full upline all the way to the top was elite. And I was pretty closely involved in leadership. So I feel like because I was a part of an elite team, I got to see kind of more of some of the behind the scenes and the manipulation tactics. And I think the indoctrination was a little bit more intense because of the culture within the dynamic of the team. Um, So I guess I'll just like start off with how I got recruited and what happened. And then we can Guyana go from there and just stop me if you have questions or if anything comes up. Um, So um, I was working in the trauma industry. So I have my master's in psychology, emphasis in addictions. um, And I have about 10 years of experience working in the trauma industry with um, corrections, but also addictions and victims of violence mostly is where like that aspect is crisis intervention, crisis um, work in general. And I, the grant holding my position at the time at the end of 2018 ended. I was working for a nonprofit working with victims of violence that had been displaced by violence. So they were homeless and in safe emergency housing. And my, when the grant ended, my job ended. And that's just something that's like really common that happens in nonprofits, but I had a difficult time finding replacement work. So I was out of a job. This was terrible timing life-wise because my husband was just leaving the military um, from active duty. 
and coming back into the civilian world after 10 plus years of being in the military, so his whole adult life. And then I had a new baby at home who had just barely turned one. So I was supposed to kind of be this rock for our family during this transition. And it, that wasn't happening without me having a job. I had been freelancing for about six months doing like curriculum development and just self-care training, stuff like that um, here and there. And I decided, well, I'll try to make this work full time. It was okay. Income was not stable, but it was okay for the first like three, four, five months. And then I had a really hard time finding additional um, projects, online work, like working from home and that kind of stuff just wasn't as popular as it is now. Now it's just like a part of our life and there's tons of opportunities, but then it wasn't like that. Um, my mental health was taking a pretty big deep dive because I couldn't provide for my family when I knew that I had the educational background and the skills to really do it. Um, but I just didn't have the opportunities sitting right in front of me. And I didn't want to have to move us across the country to find something if I could help it. Um, that is when I first started getting messages from my upline. Uh, just really supportive at first. You know, she never mentioned anything about Beachbody at the time. Um, and then that, but shortly, like maybe a few weeks after she started mes messaging me, she would invite me to join the opportunity, meaning inviting me to go on a Zoom call to talk about what Beachbody was, or inviting me to like a team call, like a what is coaching team call. And I put coaching in quotations, even though you can't see me, because they Beachbody um, consultants are not licensed coaches. They have zero coaching training. <laughs> um, so coaches in quotations. Uh, and I at first I said no, because I was really trying to make freelancing legitimate, or at least find a, a job in my community that was paying a livable wage. Um, and I said no for a while, like at least a few months, I said no, no, no. Then I had a month where mental health was just in the toilet. I was really having a lot of doubt about being able to continue to provide and bring an in income for my family. And um, she said, hey, like, why don't you still talk about mental health? Why don't you continue to freelance? But this could maybe bring you in additional income while you're figuring that all out. Well, that sounded really appealing to me. So I hopped on a Zoom call and um, after like a two hour Zoom call, I decided to join. Um, I remember the conversation saying, I, if I was going to do this, I didn't wanna recruit. I wanted to be able to make a livable wage those were things that were really important to me if I was going to put my time and effort into it and I was not going to back down from freelancing. I was not going to walk away from what was mine, what I was getting 100% of the profit of. Um, and she was like, of course, very supportive, right? Oh yeah, that's fine, no big deal. Like we can make it all work. This'll, this works with whatever your schedule is. It can be a side hustle. It can be something you do one hour a week. It can be, you know, the, all the things that they say to get you to sign up. 
I didn't know anything about MLMs at that time. Um, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the research that we do, <laughs> that we have now. I didn't, I looked up information. Um, but when I looked up stuff on Beachbody, I found articles from like, you know, news sources that like really well-known news sources talking about how great the company is or how so-and-so lost a lot of weight or that helped so-and-so with whatever, probably honestly, I look back on it now knowing what I know about the industry and probably paid advertisements where Beachbody just paid them to put that information on their, on their platform, not necessarily from them directly. Um, and when I went on YouTube, there wasn't really anybody doing like a lot of anti-MLM stuff, especially related to Beachbody, since that's what I was looking into. I mean, I don't think Deanna was actually doing her stuff just yet um since that would have been like the beginning of 2019 yeah it's really crazy how uh, much the anti-mlm community has expanded and grown and just made so much resources available to people um and like really when you start googling stuff if you scroll past the company website you should be seeing anti-mlm stuff for most companies, especially the big heavy hitters, which is really, really nice and powerful. But yeah, when we were signing up for stuff, there wasn't a lot available, at least not for my original companies. There was for Arbonne. I remember I Googled Arbonne before I joined, which I've never talked about before. I did Google Arbonne before I joined. Um, and I, I like was like, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do it different. I said exactly what you said. I'm not, I'm not going to recruit because I know that recruiting is what makes it a pyramid scheme. So <laughs> we had good intentions. We had good intentions. Right. And that's the part that matters that, I mean, that's the part that I always like tell people too, is, you know, after they leave their MLM, because there's so much shame and guilt that comes with leaving once you realize you know especially if you were recruiting once you realize like what it was you were doing or or some of how you may have set aside your morals or values in order to be a part of this system a part of this organization that's highly unethical um there's so much shame and guilt that can come with that that, you know, I tell people your intention matters. Like, that's what I told myself too, when I was first getting out is that your intention matters. Um, this isn't what you intended to happen, but also I think accountability is important too. Saying this isn't, the, I didn't go into this wanting to also manipulate people or wanting to potentially hurt people or spam people or annoy people, you know, or drive away my loved ones. I didn't go into this wanting to do those things. Um, but because of the way that the system is set up, that's exactly what happened. I don't believe you can be a part of an MLM and not have those things happen. Um, and so you just tell yourself that wasn't my intention, but now I know, and I'm choosing to do better. I'm choosing to do something different in the future. And that's the part that I focus on when I have those bad days or when I have those cringe memory moments. Um, so I am grateful. I am so grateful that our anti-MLM community has grown the way that it has. Um, and just seeing everybody go out there and be brave about it is what 
also gave me the courage to start to say something, which is why I have my account, The Tiny Advocate on Instagram. Which so. is just such a great account. Like, uh, we'll put all of your information in the show notes for where people can find you and where you're comfortable people finding you. Um, but like, definitely go give her a follow. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so can you tell us about, like, I feel like we went, we jumped to the end of your story and we skipped yeah. the middle. <laughs> so tell us about um, what your time was like in the MLM and how that affected you. Yeah, absolutely. So I jumped all in, um, from the very beginning. I'm one of those people that when I, there is something, um, that I'm going to be a part of, especially if it feels like it's a movement, I jump all in, um, with it. And so I, so I did do that at first I was able to kind of, I was able to balance it out. I was really good with my boundaries. I kept my freelancing. Um, and then I would do the, you know, the MLM stuff on the side. I would do the beach body stuff on the side, the team calls, making time for that, following what they call the business activity tracker, which is, you know, just a document that basically that the company created that breaks down everything a, a, a Beachbody consultant is supposed to do in a day in order to be successful, quote unquote. Um, and that they say you can do the business activity tracker within one hour a day. That's how they advertise it. They have things called power hours, but really honestly, like you're going to be putting in more than an hour a day, even if you're just doing this minimally. Um, do you remember what was on that tracker? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the top part was always like drink your Shakeology, um, which is the the protein shake, which honestly, like I thought tasted terrible. And (laughs) then it was, uh, so it was like drink your Shakeology, do your workout was always at the top and then personal development, which would have been like a podcast or a book or or something journaling and keep in mind that like this isn't just you picking your podcast or you picking your personal development books these are going to be books that are recommended by your upline or podcasts recommended by your upline episodes they want you to listen to because it somehow factors into what they what Beachbody is doing or whatever they want you to be doing um, so that they can just reinforce that message over and over and over again. And then it would be, uh, so it'd be like invites, uh, which is where you message people and ask them if they want to join, whether they join like as a customer or as a coach. Uh, it would be responding to messages, posting on social media, creating a story, uh, I mean, those would all be those things. Following up with your current challengers is what they call them. But these are people that like would be your customers or current coaches in your downline. Uh, the, those were all of the things that would be included. So, and then you would be, and it would have a, this business activity tracker too. The thing that really resonates with me now afterwards is it was, it was Sunday through Sunday. It was, well, Monday through Sunday. That's a better way of saying that. So it was Monday through Sunday. There were no days off. 
there were no weekends factored in there. There was nothing. Now they would tell you, of course, we want you to take care of yourself. But if you took a day off, you were going to start getting messages from your upline asking where you were. Did you show up? Did you, Are you posting about the shake that you had this morning or your workout, posting clips from your workout, be a product of the product, you know? Well, what is your message? Why would you need to take a day off if you only have to work one hour a day? Why would, why would you need to take a day off? Right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Like what? It's only an hour a day. No, no. I mean, you factor all of that stuff in like your, it's going to be an hour just to post and message and comment and what just doing those things would take an hour. It might take you 20 minutes just to try to come up with something inspirational to post about every single day. Right. And exactly. And, you know, I know at this point in time, you're still like all in and bought in, but like, there is this level of like anxiety, imposter syndrome and just like icky feeling, the cognitive dissonance that we typically see in MLMs. So like when you're like, okay, I know I need to go do my power hour, your insides are like, I don't want to do this because I know it's wrong. But like you don't realize that that's why you don't want to do it. Like you don't realize that it's wrong. So like the anxiety and the like fear and the just like ick factor that we feel inside is like, very taxing on our mental health and definitely builds up inside. Oh, absolutely. And I remember there would be days where I would be like, I just want to take some time off. I just want to be away from my phone for like five minutes. <laughs> like I wanted to be able to literally take my phone out of my pocket and put it in another room and not worry about it. And I would get so much anxiety about the fact that I wasn't near my phone because what if I missed a message or what if I missed a comment or what if I, you know, what if I missed something? Um, and my upline, I remember her saying like, oh, if you don't want to go to the power hour or if you don't want to whatever, then take, take some Energize, drink some Energize, which is their pre-workout. Um, and she would say, drink, drink energize, and then you'll have the energy and you'll want to do it. So then just encouraging that you consume more products to be basically just making Beachbody the solution for everything, the solution to your anxiety, the solution to your, you know, potential imposter syndrome, the solution to you being unmotivated. It's just whatever it was like, oh, you're having a bad day. Go do a workout, go do an extra workout oh, you're feeling, um, you're feeling bad about yourself. You're having low self-esteem. Well, did you do the three-day refresh? Have you ever tried that three-day cleanse? I always feel amazing afterwards and it really cleanses your entire system. It really helps even your mental health. Like those would just be, Beachbody was just the solution to everything. And at the time I, you know, because I was feeling so anxious about my life and where it was at, and then also just desperate to have stability, to be plugged into this community where they had an answer for everything and it always seemed to be positive. That really fed in to all of that for me. And they, you know, and, and the love bombing, 
I mean, that was what really got me in deep because I am a very positive and supportive person. I mean, I work in mental health and I advocate for people who are experiencing oppression. So to be a part of a place where they're like, you're amazing or keep going, or we see your vulnerabilities and we don't care. Or, we, we see, you know, the baggage you're holding and everyone is welcome and everyone can do it. Like that was really appealing to me and really fed into who I was as a, who I am as a person as well. Um, I started getting plugged into higher leadership stuff pretty much right away. Um, I, since I am, I mean, I do feel as though I'm more eloquent with my words or I do a pretty good job with words. And so I was able to, you know, write posts since I was freelancing and, you know, doing stuff like that. I was able to write posts that um, I think really resonated and also reinforced the messages that the upline and the MLM were wanting to project. And so I um, started getting messages right away from higher leadership, the very tippy top of my team. I was getting plugged into smaller specialized groups. So chats that had just the top leaders. And I put that in like quotes because these are potential leaders. Um, I started getting shout outs on the big team calls almost right away. I was used as an example on a lot of the what is coaching calls um, or opportunity calls that they would do for the entire team. So there'd be like, you know, sometimes like 300, 500 people on these calls and they would have me go on as a new coach that's doing amazing things. Um, and they would talk and where they would want me to share my story talk about how I was this military wife with a brand new baby and, and how I needed, um, how the, what this community did for me. And I really just honestly ate all of that up, ate all of it up. And it really, um, so I was in deep almost right away. Uh, there was a point uh, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just going to say there was a point where I started to notice the money wasn't really coming in. So at first I started making money right away because, of course, your friends want to support you. Your loved ones want to support you and you seem like you're happy. So I was making money right away. And then about like three or four months in, um, I earned, you know, didn't really earn, but I basically got a spot where my ticket to the national convention, I didn't have to pay for the ticket to go to the convention because I had hit certain benchmarks within the first three months of me being a coach. Um, that awkward moment when you don't unmute. Um, I just <laughs> wanted to point out that, um, you know, all of the things you just described were such dopamine producing things like being loved bombed, get like instantly earning all of that money. Like when you get that little text message or, or email on your phone, that's like, you just earned this much in your um, e-wallet or whatever your MLM calls your electronic wallet that holds your money. Um, 
Like it's very exciting. Also, if you have, if you are still in an MLM and you have money in that e-wallet, make sure you are taking your money out of that every single time that it hits in there. Like I know that we have people listening from uh, all the way out of MLM to all the way into MLM. So if you are in, make sure you're emptying that wallet because if something happens to your company, they can take that money. <laughs> they will not give it to you. So make sure you're emptying your e-wallet. That's a side tangent, but important. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Do that. <laughs> now with Beachbody, they just deposit it directly into your checking account, just direct deposit, or they mail you a check. So they didn't have like that e-wallet system, at least not while I was in it. I don't know, maybe they do now because they're doing the like paleoton bike knockoff kind of thing right now so i don't know if maybe they are they've updated that system but it did not exist when i was in thankfully uh now yeah so i was in pretty deep i started getting into like the smaller chats with like the higher leadership people within the team like the people that are making like pretty good money um my direct upline uh, she was really pushing for elite that year. And so when I noticed that I wasn't making, you know, I start my money started to go down like month four. And I actually have a picture that I should post on my Instagram page, but I have a picture where I like posted that I like got to New Orleans, like free, you know, free thing to New Orleans. Yeah. So I have a picture where I posted this like letterboard thing. And one of the months you can see where the money is going up every single month. And then one of the months it goes down by like a hundred dollars. But then I'm like month four, New Orleans. And I didn't put the money there because it was significantly less than the previous month. Like maybe I broke even on my product that month with what I had to purchase to stay active. Like, so I, so I do remember that and having that conversation with my upline and her saying, if you want to make a livable wage, which is just totally different from what she said in the beginning, but if you want to make a livable wage, you're going to need to hit diamond, which diamond rank means that you have 12 active consultants underneath you. And two of those active consultants have to have uh, two active consultants under them. So this is you building your pyramid. This is you having an active downline. And so you yeah. have to have 14 people total under you, all active, all, all actively ordering. I just want to point out like, I, in my experience with working with MLM, that's pretty difficult to have that many active people at the same time because of attrition. Like so many people fall off. They realize it's not for them. They end up not liking the products, whatever it may be. They can't afford them. It's probably the most common reason because they are very expensive, but like, that's very difficult. Yes. Yeah. Very, very difficult. And uh, she said, once you hit diamond, you will be a for it will be an affordable wage that is when you will start actually making money because the idea being that when you hit diamond you have a downline and then you're going to start hitting bonuses which is where you get extra income or when your team accumulates a certain amount of sales volume 
oh, so are you telling me that all of the money comes from recruiting? That's so weird. That's such a bizarre uh, concept. I've never even thought of that um, in multi-level marketing that you had to recruit to make money. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? This is just like brand new information. Yeah, no one, no one knew. It's not like the FTC's been on this since the 80s. Like, uh, no one has any idea. <laughs> just so everyone knows, I was just, I muted myself and just started lapping my butt off. So like, this, this is all oh, just a giant joke, everyone. <laughs> yes, yeah, very we're sarcastic. Being, we're being silly. <laughs> yeah, very, very sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, it's like, okay, you're gonna have to recruit. I I'm I'm all in at this point. At the beginning, I had said I didn't want to recruit. And I am, but I at this, I am in it, indoctrinated fully in all of the upper leadership messes, like in most of them. I don't know. I'm sure I wasn't in a lot of them, but it felt like I was in them. Um, so it felt like I was an important person or an important peg on the team, um, that I was helping the team or I was somehow, you know, I don't know, just a part of the in crowd, so to speak. And I, and so then I thought, okay, well, I remember talking to my husband about it and he was like, if it makes you happy, then go ahead and do it. But the second this doesn't make you happy, the second that this starts negatively impacting you or impacting us, like you were getting out, you know? And so I think at that point he had started to put the pieces together, being my, you know, being that support person that knows me and uh, knows who I am, like knows who I truly am. I think that he really truly started to see stuff that I probably was completely oblivious to. Um, and we, so that, yeah, so I started recruiting. Well, to hit Diamond, I mean, truly to recruit that many people and you're gonna you have to recruit more than those those 12 who then also have to be recruiting you have to recruit more than that because people like you said danielle people fall off people go inactive so you're to i mean you're looking at like 20 25 people that you're going to be actively looking for so that if someone goes inactive, then you have, you know, then your, your bases are covered so that you can keep your rank. And then after you hit the rank, you have to hold it for six weeks before you actually get it. So it's, yeah. So you have a long yeah. time. Ooh. And like you, when the, everyone is, ugh, when everything is said, uh, like to you you're like okay yeah hold it for six weeks cool I can do that I can do that and because you just think that everyone is going to be as bought in as you are like why would somebody else not fall in love with this company as deeply and as hard as you did right exactly exactly that's exactly what you think when you're in it you think oh this is like the best thing since sliced bread so everybody's going to want to be a part of it and if they see how happy and how great I'm doing then of course they're going to want to be a part of it um so I yep so I started recruiting well that takes a ton of work it takes a ton of time at this point you're trying to be a good leader too so you're trying to like coach the people that you're 
with so that you can be supportive of them wanting to build their downline and, you know, offering them mentorship. And I really took that stuff really seriously. Like if somebody was wanting that, then I wanted to make sure I was really there for them. And I remember my I remember my upline saying, like, if they don't start making money for you month one, then stop. Stop mentoring them. Stop, you know, stop offering them that level of support. And that was, uh, that I I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that because I knew that for some people it would take more time or it might take more support or just more anything. So I just, that was something for me that I couldn't do. but I remember she, I remember asking her to hop on a call with me with somebody who said that they wanted to build like a full downline and um, saying, hey, I don't really know how to support this person. Because keep in mind, she's been doing this for like four years, four plus years. So I'm thinking she knows and she's a part of an elite team. So I'm thinking she knows, you know, exactly how to best guide this person. So I remember asking her to hop on this call. She hopped on the call for like maybe five minutes and then immediately hopped off and messaged me. It was like, that person is not your person. They're going to waste your time. Stop mentoring them. And that I couldn't, again, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. That was just something where I couldn't walk away from somebody that, you know, had put their faith in me to help get them or be, you know, I thought that I was helping people, you know, I didn't realize I was manipulating them or that I was just regurgitating the same indoctrination that was, you know, put on me. Um, I thought that I was really, truly helping people and I couldn't walk away from people that had put that level of faith and trust in me. Um, I took me a full year to hit diamond and I hustled it. I hustled it hard. I was waking up at 4 a.m. And I was going to bed after 11 and I was, t- yes. I'm so upset. <laughs> the mental health counselor in me is crying because the first things I like teach all of my clients is we need to make sure that you are, um, you're eating, you are drinking water and that your sleep is correct because all of those things affect your mental health. So if we can, you know, start with those really basic foundations, then like we can, we can, you know work and build on that. So you were going to bed that late and waking up that early. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. I have no idea how I did that because I love my sleep. So really, truly it, I chalk that up to the indoctrination, but my upline, so my team, (laughs) I'm sorry. I have one more thing to add to that. Is that that is another form of uh, control that cults use yeah. is uh, sleep deprivation. So just pointing out that too, like that's a huge part of all of this. Uh, my oh, mental yeah. health brain went into overdrive with that, but my now my cult brain is lighting up too. It's like, oh, ding, 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 ding. There's the cult stuff. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That behavioral control, 100% controlling your time. Um, and you know, so that everything that you do is wrapped around the MLM is wrapped around the process that business activity tracker. That's just like the first little bit of their behavioral control of you controlling what you do every single day. And the more that you repeat something, the stronger that neural pathway becomes in your brain. So we're, we're going to go mental health nerd here for a second. 
but like the stronger that that neural pathway becomes in your brain and it becomes a learned behavior. It becomes something that becomes natural for you. So yeah, prior to 4 a.m., I would get up at 4 a.m. and then I would hustle hard almost nonstop all day. I would be in three, you know, two to three power hours a day, team calls, listening to so many podcasts, reading so many books that they told me that I should read, um, messaging people like crazy. I mean, at one point, I remember this one day, I sent over a hundred messages. I don't even know how I found a hundred people to message. Like, and these were not, you know, necessarily people, what they call your warm market, which is like your friends or family, which is who they encourage you to reach out to first. These were cold market messages. People I didn't have a connection with other than maybe a few conversations on Instagram. And that was, yeah, over a hundred messages a day. Um, I remember one time I sent 75 messages one day and I messaged my upline to tell her that I had done 75 messages and the previous day and that I was going to take a day off because I needed to take care of some other stuff that was not MLM related. And she said, I said, I'm taking the day off, but I sent 75 messages yesterday. And these are 75 like coach invites. Like that's the other thing too. This isn't just 75 messages of saying, hey, do you want to do a workout program? This is 75 coach invites because that is what I was looking for were people to be in the downline. And um, I remember messaging my upline and saying I did 75 messages the previous day. I'm taking a day off. And the message I got back was, great, that's amazing. I challenge you to do 75 again today. I was like on deaf ears. I just said, (laughs) I'm taking a day off. And at this point, I was like nine months in to the MLM, still really deep in it. And I'm doing it full time. I'm not freelancing anymore. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask was if you were still able to do any of your freelancing. No, I did. So there were a few contracts that I kept. There were a few contracts that I kept because they were really, really important to me. Um, And, you know, one was with like my local hospital um, and that was on like mindfulness pain management. And that was just like my baby, like I built it from the ground up um, and it was community based. So like I kept that one um, and there were a couple others that I had that were like more smaller, didn't require a lot of time for me every single week. Um, Honestly, those smaller contracts is probably what kept me somewhat afloat. And while I'm doing all of this, because I'm working full-time and, I, and I'm, I'm not checking my bank account, I have no idea whether I'm making any money as I'm recruiting these people in. And because my, I was encouraged not to, I was told to keep the abundance mindset, believe, trust and believe, and the money will be there. And so I've abandoned all morals, values, ethics, like it's all out the window now. 
Um, calling you out for using a Shanti reference. Uh, if anyone is a beach body person, you'll remember that Shanti was always saying, trust and believe in yourself. Trust, trust and believe, trust and believe. I'm Well, you know, I did do his, whatever the 20, T20? Yeah. yeah. So I did Me do too. T20. Yeah. Me too. Oh, jeez. So... <laughs> That's a, that was a cringe moment. Um, but yeah, it is all, I mean, I am so, I am so wrapped up in everything MLM. I'm doing all things MLM at this point that like I couldn't, I'm just doing the next thing, the next action, the next action, the next action. Not giving myself any time to actually sit and process and look at where my life is at or what I'm doing or if I'm even happy. I mean, I was just so focused on the goal of diamond because I somehow thought that that was going to fix everything. That that was just, if I got there, that it would all be fine. And, um, you know, this is, you know, this is again, where no issues in my relationship, thankfully, because my husband is amazing. Um, but he would just say stuff like he would say stuff every once in a while that was like, you know, gee, you're, are you're really spending like a lot of time on your phone or I mean, my phone would die multiple times a day. That's how much time I was spending on my phone, you know, just messaging, posting, looking for, you know, new potential prospects. I, it would die multiple times a day that's insane. Like I just, yeah. So I hit diamond. That was, you know, probably I think December of 2019 is when I hit diamond. Um, and then I held it for six weeks and then I, you know, and then I'm getting all the shout outs, right? I'm like, oh, she did it. She did. I was the only person who was hustling that whole time because they have this thing called like the rush to diamond um, or something like diamond dash is what it's called. They do diamond te teams will do diamond dash, but they literally give you this paper and you have to like fill out who's going to be your people in your downline to get you to diamond. Um, and then if my team being an elite team, uh, they had, money rewards, money incentives. So if you hit diamond and whoever hit diamond by this particular date, basically by the end of the year would get this, you all put money into this pot and then they would get to split the pot, whoever, whoever got it. And I was the only one. So I got, yeah. So I was given, I think it was $500. If I remember correctly, I was the only one. And there were like you know, 25 people, you know, something like that, trying to hit diamond, everybody, you know, trying to hit diamond. And I was the only person to hit it. Now, I, of course, knowing what I know now, I can look back and see the reason that they did that was because they're trying to hit elite or they're trying to hit premier ranks or they're trying to keep their rank. And in order to do that, they have to get certain leadership points, which is people ranking up or hitting you know, certain quotas every single month or whatever that might be. So, I mean, I know that now, but at the time I'm like, oh, they really want you to succeed. 
Yeah, I remember um, when I was in, I can't remember which one I was in, but when I was in one of them, they were saying like, you know, it only takes one person. You just need one person to be a runner and then you'll make it. And I was like, oh yeah, who's going to be my runner? And like, you're right. You were, you were that runner for those people. Oh yes. Flashbacks to runner. Yes. Who's your runner? Who's going to be your runner? Oh yeah. And then they, I mean, we had different names for different types of people. So discount coach, someone who's just in it for the discount hobby coach, someone who does it for a few hours a week. Uh, and then your runners. Yeah, absolutely. So I, yeah, I said that I was the runner. I was the runner. So I was, I was all, I was all in. Um, I, so I did hit diamond. I held it for six weeks. I got the pot. I was feeling pretty good. So about a month, cause six weeks to hold. So I wasn't, I was focused on that pretty much. So about two months after hitting diamond, this is the start of 2020. So COVID is talked about, everything is still open. And I check my bank account. This first time I've done it, this whole time, that's when I realized I had made the exact same amount, almost the exact same amount, month to month to month, that entire time. My income had not increased at all on commissions, nothing. And I've been recruiting my butt off. I've been working over 40 plus hours a week, like into this. I had put all that time and effort into it. And I'm realizing I am nowhere <laughs> from the very start of this because month one, I was making money. So I'm realizing I have not accumulated any additional income month to month since the very beginning. And I'd been doing it for over a year. And it was about 500 a month is about where I was, like 400 to 500. I think the most I made one month was like 800 um, off of commissions. I never made team volume bonuses. Uh, and, so I never, never did that. And, you know, 500 extra dollars is all well and good, but like, you can't live off of that. That's not a livable, $500 a month, that's like, groceries. Right, exactly. So you can't live off that. You can't live off that. And I'm doing it full time. I'm hustling it full time. And that's what I'm making. Like that was, that was really eye opening for me. And then that's when things started to fall apart. So that's when I started realizing one, the only reason that we were afloat as a family was because of how husband, my, how hard my husband was working. So now I'm starting to pay attention to his behavior, not just my behavior. Cause I'm thinking, oh, if I just hit diamond, it'll all be better, right? It's just all gonna trust and believe. It's all gonna be better. So I'm now paying attention to my environment. I'm seeing how hard my husband is working, who's also putting in 40 plus hours a week, overtime all of the time in order to make it so that we can stay afloat so that we can pay our bills. And I start to realize how tired he is and how he's not putting any pressure on me. He's not putting any of this on me. And I'm realizing that he's been doing this for almost a year 
and the man just got out of the military after serving 10 plus years active duty. No time to rest. He's just right back in doing what he's got to do to take care of his family. That hit me so hard. And like the guilt of that, like it took, I've been out of the MLM now for nearly two years. And it is rare that when I still think about that, that it doesn't bring me to tears. Um, just how much pressure was on his shoulders while I thought I was doing these great things that really I wasn't, I wasn't doing great things. You know, I was hurting myself. I was manipulating people without intentionally manipulating them. I was recruiting them into an unethical business and I was heavily invested in it. Um, so that, you know, really plummeted the mental health and I started experiencing suicidal ideation pretty severely because I was already, prior to joining, I was already feeling like I'm supposed to be the rock for my family during this transition and I lost my job. And now the suicidal ideation is I put all of my time and effort into supporting my family or thinking that I'm doing something that's going to get my family there so that he can relax and he can just be, <laughs> you know, without feeling like he has to put his life on the line. And I'm realizing his life, his health is being completely compromised because he is now having to pick up the slack. Um, of what I wasn't bringing in because I was involved in a cult, cult culture. Um, and the, they got bad and I, I started experiencing it pretty severely. And I thought at the time I, I didn't really understand because I'm still consuming everything, right? Like I'm still doing all the personal development and the podcasts and the, the, you know, I'm going to the team calls and I'm doing the power hours and I'm still consuming all of that, you know, mindset BS. And so I have this conflicting brain where one side of me is like the, you know, the reality of the situation is setting in and then the, uh, and it's like crumbling. <laughs> and then the other side of my brain is like, but I'm doing all the stuff to take care of my mental health. I should be in the best place I should possibly be. So why am I feeling suicidal? And like, it didn't, you know, it wasn't resonating. It did get really bad. There was a point where like, I started having daily panic attacks. I'm not someone that's ever experienced those. That was really intense and scary. Um, you know, at first I hid them from my husband pretty well. Cause I was like, with everything he's already done, I don't want to also like put this on him <laughs> and, but there, you know, you can only hide that stuff for so long from somebody that loves you. Um, I want to, if you don't mind, if we can pause real quick in your story, just to take a second to talk about, um, this is a very clear, like situation of environment environmental versus uh biological mental health symptoms like where you said that you had no history of mental health uh concerns really in your life at least not that severe like I'm sure you know we all have days where like or weeks or months where we're a little bit off or whatever but you know to that point where you were like I am not okay I'm having 
uh, daily panic attacks and constantly thinking about what would life be like without me here. Um, and really being able to point back to the looking at your bank account was what set that off. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was the realization that I put all of that time and effort into something and it produced nothing. Um, and it, what all that time it took away from my family, all that yeah. time it took away from life. Um, and if you're listening and you're having any feelings uh, like this, just know I am going to put a suicide hotline down in the show notes for you to access, but um, you can really Google uh, like resources in your area. Like if you type in like, like what to do when I'm feeling suicidal into Google, like stuff will come up and you can put in your area and like you'll find different resources for your area. Um, so please just know you're not alone and there are resources out there to help you um, in situations like this. Yes, absolutely. Like you matter, you are enough. So please go talk to somebody about it if that's something that you're experiencing. Um, like I work for an, an employee assistance program company right now. I do crisis calls, um, mental health crisis calls. I literally talk to people that are experiencing suicidal ideation on a daily. And um, so if your company or if your employer offers employee assistance program, know that you can reach out to your employee assistance program, likely get some free counseling, and they are going to be trained and be able to offer you that crisis support in the moment as well to get you connected to the hotlines as well. So just know there are tons of resources out there. Um, and that's what I did. I started tapping into those resources. So there was a, there was a day that was um, particularly bad. And I remember I called my mom and I said, I need you to come here because you might need to take me to the ER, um, the emergency room, because I thought if I'm here alone, I might act on this. Um, I remember telling my husband, told him everything, what was going on. Um, we had a really amazing conversation that night um, where he said, I, I'm not going to tell you to stop doing the MLM because I don't think that's helpful right now. And he's like, but I think you, I, he said, I really, really, really want you to take inventory, inventory on your life, inventory on your mental health, inventory on what it is you want out of life. And I want you to look at this as honestly as you can and see if this is something that can actually help you with that. Or if, or if it's something that's hurting you, if it's something that's contributing to how you're feeling, which really for him to say that was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant because he wasn't saying cut out the MLM, which is, I think what anyone logically would say, like, I think the MLM is what's causing this. I think you need to get out. This is bad. But I, at the time it was brilliant because what he did is he said, I'm here, I support you, but I want you to start to question. I want you to start to investigate this stuff. And that really did, I did, I started questioning it. I started looking into it. I started to wonder, you know, why these things weren't happening. Um, that was also the moment where he said, I am having a really difficult time keeping this family afloat financially. It's really hard on me and I need you to get back into the workforce. So, you know, it's like, okay, message heard loud and clear. Um, I 
started applying for jobs. I actually got a job almost right away at a local gym. And it was like a 4 a.m. to noon shift, which I was already waking up at 4 a.m. So like it already worked out. And then I, but I was still in the mindset of, oh, well, I'll do the 4 a.m. to noon and then I'll come home and I'll keep doing the beach body stuff, but I'll just do it on the side now. I mean, I was still in that space, even with everything that was going on. Um, and I did that for a few weeks and then the world shut down because of COVID. And so then everybody was at home. Right. And we, and then, um, I remember having a conversation and I wasn't making any money because the gym wasn't like a salary position. So if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my upline saying, look, I am not making the money that you said that I would make when I hit diamond and I'm at diamond and I'm not making that money and I am not doing well. So I am going to start looking for full-time employment. Um, and I'm going to keep doing beach body on the side, but I'm going to start doing full, I'm going to start looking for full-time employment. I need to do that, um, for my family. And I remember she was like, she freaked out. She didn't want me to stop hustling like I was hustling, right? Because I was, because I wasn't making money, but I was making her money. I was making her a lot of money. She was getting all of those leadership points every single time I recruited someone, every single time I hit those ranks, those sales goals. Funny how that works, huh? Right, exactly. So no, she, she saw her check. I mean, she would share her paycheck online and she saw, which we know now you're not supposed to do. Right. But she, uh, she would share her paycheck online and I saw her check going up by like a thousand dollars, like almost every single month. She was making nearly like three, I would say between three to four grand a month. And I know it's because she was hitting those bonuses. And I mean, I wasn't the only person that she was like hardcore pushing to rank up. Um, but yeah, that was in her downline. So I know she was doing pretty well for herself. Um, I, I, she got me on a Zoom call. That was like a two hour plus Zoom call of her trying to convince me not to go back into the workforce, to keep doing Beachbody full-time. She was working the workforce. She was a full-time teacher, but she wanted me to keep doing Beachbody. And I, you know, I, I, and she pulled out everything. You know, what are your goals for your family? Well, don't you want to retire, Reese? Wouldn't it be so, that's my husband. Wouldn't you be so nice if your husband could just come home and not have to worry after everything he's done for the family, after everything he's done for the country? Like, I mean, she threw, don't you want to be a, a stay-at-home mom? Well, when you're working 40 plus hours a week, you're not really a stay-at-home mom with your kids, are you? No, you're not. Or you're not giving them the time or the attention that you want to be, or you're literally just not sleeping. Like that's, you know, that's the only other way that you could do that, which you're not, 
you're not. If you're if you're doing the if you're doing an MLM full time and you are also a mom with kids at home, like I had my kiddo at home too at one point because we literally because we could not afford childcare. And I remember saying, oh, I brought him home because the MLM has blessed me with all this financial freedom. And no, it's because we couldn't afford it. Like that, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's so, it stinks too, because like, you know, they really like change your mindset into thinking that all of these things are positive when there's really some like dark stuff going on behind the scenes that people don't know about. Like you said, like you said that you brought your child home from daycare because you like, because of the MLM, but in reality, like but it it was because of the MLM, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, it absolutely was just not a positive aspect. And I, yeah, I, I remember, I remember doing that kind of stuff, crediting that stuff. They would always encourage you to be more vulnerable um, because if you're more vulnerable, you're more human, you're more relatable. And then you can connect with people who maybe struggle with what you struggle with. Um, and the idea being that then you can like help them the way that the business has helped you, you know, that kind of mindset. And so I do remember at one point, my MLA, like I posted a post, I, well, I'd shared with my team, my leadership that I was a sexual assault survivor. And I remember them wanting, you know, saying, if you, of course, they always said, like, if you feel comfortable or if you feel supported, you know, know that we like support you, but think of how many people you could help or support if you shared your story. So I remember making posts um, about how the, I was a sexual assault survivor and crediting Beachbody for my healing from that saying that the programs helped me overcome my mindset or, or, you know, helped me to heal from that or helped me feel better in my body, feel reconnected to my body after that trauma. I mean, that I will always, always regret that one particular post where I posted that one, because it was oversharing. I didn't need to put myself on public social media blast about that that was so something so vulnerable to me that my story should have been protected and I I wanted to protect it I mean that I never you know there were so many aspects of what happened with that particular incident in my life that trauma in my life that needed to be protected that I wanted to protect and so to have that then be turned into a marketing tool because I was being manipulated because my mindset was being manipulated. That is something that I, that one particular post that pisses me off to this day. Like that makes me so mad that that was encouraged to cross, to, to push someone to cross that line. Um, and when you're in, and this is where people say MLMs are a cult, because when you're invested in them like that, when you're that close to leadership and having those conversations with them, like you, everything that 
is good in your life is credited to the to the company is credited to Beachbody. I also have scoliosis, so I struggle with chronic pain. I remember posting a post that Beachbody programs helps to eliminate my pain. Well, it wasn't the program that was doing it. It was because I was working out and strengthening my core and doing stuff that was going to be more flexible that helped me to manage my pain. You know, I didn't, Beachbody itself, I could have done that anywhere. Like, yeah. So like that, I remember crediting, you know, that to Beachbody. Oh, Beachbody did that for me. It's like, no, no, you did that for you. You did that for you. Like the same thing with the, you know, sharing my sexual assault story. Like Beachbody helped me to heal. No, you helped yourself to heal. You did that. Not Beachbody. There are so many ways that MLMs steal credit for things that we do. And I'm so glad that you have found your power again and you've taken that back because it's just so terrible. Like, you know, we give them so much credit for things they literally do nothing. They did nothing to help us with. They've done everything to hurt us. And then they get credit for, uh, for curing your chronic pain, for bringing your child home, like what? No, you, no, 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 just no. No, exactly. No, no, stop. It's like, stop, you guys, stop. And that's the, and that is the, that's that cult mindset. That's that cult culture that everything good that's happening in your life is because of beach body. And it's like, that's just insane. When you think about the fact that you were like a 1099 contracted employee and I was freelancing, I was a 1099 contracted employee. I would never have credited any of that stuff to any of my other freelancing gigs, none of them. So it's like the fact that I did with Beachbody when it's also a 1099 contracted employee, like it's just, it's so telling all of that is so telling but no I'm I'm happy that my story is a survive to thrive story it 100% is and where that happened was actually I got COVID and I've talked about this on my Instagram before my exit story but um I got COVID about two to three days after I had that conversation with my upline saying I'm going back into the workforce um and I was so sick. This was before we really knew what COVID was. Everything had just shut down. Everyone's quarantining at home. Um, there's no vaccine. There's no really anything. Hospitals are filling up, but we don't really understand why. Um, I got really, really sick. And thankfully I was able to get connected to some like medication for symptoms almost right away. So I was able to like recover at home. I never had to go to the hospital. It never got that severe, but I do remember, you know, I couldn't even lift my phone up because like my arms would start shaking because I was just that weak from it. Um, I would remember texting my upline and saying, I, I have COVID. I can't, you know, I'm going to take two weeks off. I really need to focus and recover. And her response to me was her literal wording was it sucks to be sick, but it sucks to be sick, 
I'm sorry. It sucks to be sick. Global pandemic. Global pandemic. The world is shut down. People are dying. I tell you, I'm going to take two weeks off because I have this thing that we know nothing about. And you're going to tell me it sucks to be sick, but she brought up all my vulnerabilities. Who's going to put food on your table? Who's going to help your husband? Who's going to Da, da, da. I mean, she laid it all out. She brought out all the stops to try to prevent me from taking those two weeks off to recover from COVID. That I said, I don't have the energy to reply to you right now. I'm turning my phone off and I'm getting off social media. I will talk to you when I'm better. And I did that. I turned my phone off and I focused on recovering. That shattered those rose colored glasses for me, shattered them because I knew she didn't care about me at all. I was a dollar sign. I was a peg in her system, a stepping stool to what she wanted. I feel like um, Beachbody coaches particularly really showed their true colors during the pandemic because I saw a lot of really just like stomach turning posts about if you're not working out during the pandemic, then you're lazy. Um, and like things like that, like uh, just because you have the tools to work out at home doesn't mean that you are fully capable of doing that. Like, again, we are in a pandemic, especially at that point in time, it was scary. We knew nothing. We like, remember we were literally, <laughs> there was a point in time where we were literally, if we had to go to the grocery store, we would come home, we would take off all of our clothes, put them in the washer machine, change them, wash all of our groceries. Like, like that was the life we were living because we were so scared. And then if you got COVID, you had to isolate yourself in your house from the rest of your family. That's scary. Also way to like really hurt your mental health. Like just, and even if your symptoms weren't that bad and you just had like the sniffles, which was, I think not very common at that time. Like you pretty much either like had it or you didn't. <laughs> um, I know that there was like the asymptomatic people, but it was just like, it was really all or nothing at that point, I feel like, because we didn't have the vaccine. So there was no mild <laughs> whatever. So it's right. Exactly. That's exactly what it was like. And, um, you know, I, I was working from home at the time, like, and my son was at home too. So I think that, I mean, who knows how I got exposed. It's possible, you know, we, we don't know, but it, but yeah, it really took me out. And then, um, after that, after that incident happened, after those, and we were, I remember at the start of the pandemic, our leadership was encouraging us. They're like, if you guys aren't ranking up, if you're not whatever, then it's because you're not trying because there's so many people at home right now that need these programs that you should be able to find plenty of people to join your team or join your whatever. So I remember that was really put on us too. And so yeah, sure. Like there are people at home, but also there are people losing their jobs. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people losing their jobs and not knowing where they're going to get their next meal. So obviously 
great prey for an MLM, but also like, how are you supposed, literally, how are you supposed to afford to do Beachbody? I mean, like, I guess Beachbody on demand, it's what, $99 for the year. So that's not that bad if you're like, really think about it. Like it's, it's whatever. But Um, you don't. You don't want them to do the 99 a year. You want them to sign up for the challenge packs because then you can get the success club points, which help you further down the line. So like it, we, we have, we, I remember receiving a ton of pressure to uh, really push, push recruitment. And because people, the same thing, because people are losing their jobs and it's a financial opportunity. Um, and people are stuck at home so they can start working on their wellness, work on their health journey. So I do, I do remember that really putting a massive pressure on us to do that. Um, and, but after I got sick with COVID, I took those two weeks and then that's really when everything, because I had two weeks away. So it really put everything into perspective for me. And I realized the problem wasn't me. The problem was the organization. The problem was the system itself. And I, uh, so that's when I started really like diving deep into my research. I found like Cece's uh, videos and I started deep diving into those. At the time she was still doing MLM horror stories. Um, I started finding like some of Deanna Mims stuff as well as Isabella's stuff. Uh, You know, I just started hardcore just like, deep diving, not your good girl on YouTube was also like had just posted and she was like top tier leadership with Beachbody. So she started sharing her stuff, um, her story. I think what I watched, she had just posted like her first video around that time frame. Um, and that was hearing her story, especially since she came from Beachbody, just like Deanna did, that was like, oh my God, oh my God, this is just, oh my, this is, this is it. This is me. This is like, this is exactly what I've been going through. Uh, That's when I started doing whatever I had to do to figure out how to dismantle my downline, get out as many people as I possibly could that I had brought in with me. And I started uh, like figuring out how to exit because I was so closely involved with leadership, I was, I mean, like my elite coach, my top of my coach, of our team, she'd been in the organization since Beachbody had VHS. So like, I, I knew I couldn't just walk away. I knew that that wasn't something that I would be able to do without getting massive blowback. So it did take me six months to fully exit. I um didn't realize that Beachbody was an MLM when it has VHS. I thought that like I I've never done any research, so is this is all just me like living in living in La La Land? But like I literally thought that they didn't have um an MLM until they had Beachbody on demand. No, it was definitely before that because I remember her telling stories about how. Well, and not the good girl on, or I, it might be not that good girl, could be not, I'm not sure, but we, well, just, if you search not the good girl, Beachbody, YouTube, you'll find her, she's going to be right there, um, but the, 
I know I I remember her talking about this too that when they switched to Beachbody on demand a ton of people exited Beachbody at that time consultants did because they lost millions of dollars because when it was VHSs they could sell it they, you had to purchase product so they could sell each pro they had to sell each program if somebody wanted a new program they were going to have to buy the VHS or the DVDs because they did DVDs too at one point um, but I do remember like my top up line, I remember her sharing stories about how she was a personal trainer, like, or a, or a, maybe a fitness instructor, um, at a local gym and she would like sell the programs like at the gym or to the gym or to people at the gym that took her classes, stuff like that. So, and then that's, and then, yeah, so she'd been, she'd been with the agent, she's been with the company for a really, really long time. So I knew like, okay, if I couldn't just like pull out, you know, like I had been so involved in some of these smaller groups, you know, that I knew I couldn't just walk away, exit without there being like some sort of blowback or the, I also just didn't want to get a barrage of messages of, from everybody on leadership trying to get me to stay. So um, I started figuring out like how to dismantle my downline. I started doing all of the research. I started finding free resources, actual free resources to get connected to like workouts and stuff online, especially with like the pandemic. So many people were post like personal trainers and stuff were posting their stuff for free on YouTube for people. So like I was looking up a ton of stuff on, on there, finding things. And then I would email anybody that had been in my prospects that I had emails for in my back office. And I would say, hey, I am working my way out of this organization due to, I think at the time I said like due to personal reasons. Um, I just want you to know that if this is something you don't want to continue doing because I won't be your person anymore, then here are some additional resources. Here's some additional places that you could go. That was really important to me. Then I started having conversations with my downline. I started saying, this is what I've learned. This is what I've been looking into. This has my, been my personal experience over the last few weeks. Um, and almost every single person that was a coach with me left, left. And it was really important to me that whoever wanted to leave had the opportunity to leave prior to me exiting. Because I knew that once I exited, all of their information would go to my upline and I didn't. I, if I, if people wanted to leave, I wanted them to have that option of exiting before they went to her. Um, and then I, yeah, so then I, so that's what, yeah, so that's what I did. And I do remember having a cop. There was only one conversation I had with a coach that was a friend of mine where I said, it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> I figured out it's a pyramid scheme. We're in a pyramid scheme. And she said, yeah, I know. And I don't care. And yeah. And, and, oh my God. and she's, as far as I know, she's still doing it. I don't know for certain, but that was like there. So there were cover, not every conversation I had with somebody in my downline where I was like, this is what's happening. Like we're in a pyramid scheme and I am so sorry. I brought you into this. 
there was only one conversation I had where somebody was like, oh, I know and I don't care. That is so interesting. I wonder how many people are in MLMs. Like, I wonder what percentage across the board, how many people realize that it's a pyramid scheme and just really don't, don't care. I don't think there's that many. I think that the thought manipulation that happens while you're in an MLM is so intense and so deep that you to that there's just you don't have that kind of like clarity to have that level of clarity now I know for certain that leadership knows exactly what they are doing all the way at the very tippy top and corporate knows what's happening too because corporate likes to tell the public oh we that person's a 1099 we don't you know we don't condone that or we told them not to or shame 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 on them we'll tell them to knock it off you know they know because shortly after I hit diamond I got invited to this like secret meeting I it was weird so there's a rank in Beachbody called superstar diamond if you search it on the Beachbody website you will not find it so I think the only time that they ever talk about superstar diamonds is when they do their 411 calls, which is their like corporate blast out calls that they do every Monday or something like that. Um, I think it's the only time they talk about it because they shout out people who rank advance on the call. Um, so there's not that many people who are superstar diamonds, like maybe 12, at least when I was in it. Every single superstar diamond coach was allowed to bring two potential leaders that they thought could go the distance to this call. I was one and then somebody else that was shooting for Diamond but hadn't quite hit it yet. Um, or maybe she had just hit it, I don't remember, were invited. And when we got on this call, it's basically all of leadership telling us like top tier leaders telling us exactly like what we need to do to continue to recruit and how we can start making a lot of income and then we could ask them questions because they were top of the tippy top and um it was just our opportunity to really like sit at the table with them i guess and get this information i remember one of the coaches saying hey, you just hit diamond, right? Like you have 12 co or you have 12 coaches underneath you, which technically you would have 14, but they'd say you have 12 that you're directly mentoring. And they said, don't go get a logo because a lot of people get logos. They would create their team names once they hit diamond. And then don't get a logo, don't get a team name, like calm down. You only have 12 coaches. And I just, that was also like really resonate. I remember that being one of those cracks in the armor for me because it was like, I'm sorry, did you just tell me to calm down? That's no big deal that I had diamond when I hustled so hard to get there. Like that was a really, and corporate was present at that meeting. They were there. So they know, they are fully aware of what is going on. They're fully plugged into all of this. That was also something that like was really telling for me.
after I left, um, I did find out a few months later that my upline did not hit elite that year. And I'm fairly certain she didn't hit elite because I pulled everybody out and she would have like not hit her leadership points. It would have affected her elite qualification. So that was something that after everything I had been through, after everything I had gone through, that was something that was a really proud moment for me because I was like, well, at least you felt it. At least you <laughs> felt my leaving. LOL, whoops. <laughs> I feel like sorry, that's hashtag the sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the, one of the risks you take of building a business based off of other people that can literally leave anytime they want to. Like, that's the thing about this. It's not guaranteed income. It's not passive income. It's anything but passive. Like, the only way I can see it ever being passive, passive is if you recruit your five people and you never have to do a thing again. You get five runners and they all go. And then all right, I guess sit back and relax because they know what they're doing and they're doing it. But like, I, how often does that happen? Well, right. And even if you did that, you're sure it's passive because they're making that money for you, but not really because you're not going to just sit back. You can't. You Even if you hit higher leadership, you have to keep recruiting. You have to keep recruiting. I mean, I I also remember like the top coach of our team, her, you know, she, I, she was a superstar diamond. I remember her, um, she would post everybody's leaderboards every single week. So it would be like who hit success club points, which means that you brought in someone who purchased a product pack. Um, how many points you had that month or who was rank advancing. And I remember she would post that and she would always include herself. And I remember thinking like you being a new coach or not knowing anything about the system, you think, oh, look, they're doing it too. They're doing, we're all doing it together. Like it really do feel like it's a team thing. Well, I didn't realize until after I'd already been in it a year and understood the system a little bit better that she was hitting those points every single month because she had been in it for so long, every single time somebody renewed their membership or every single year and then got, she would encourage them to get a product pack that gave her those points. So she really didn't have to actively recruit unless she wanted to, because she had so many people that were just automatically renewing every single month. She had so many people in her downline that anyone who automatically renewed their memberships with a product with a product every single year, whenever that time hit, it was going to give her those points. So it just, she didn't really even have to do it. She just had to remind them if they were somebody who had been in it for a while. And, it, you know, just that it's those little, little pieces of deceit, like little pieces of deception and manipulation where you think they're out there hustling it just as hard as you when you realize like no they're not no they're not like they may act like they are they may display like they are they may do all the things on the tracker because they want it's really so that they can manipulate you later if you decide not to do it to be like well look I'm still doing it and how long have I been here look at my rank you know, and so even when you do hit those higher ranks, like 
you still have to do all the stuff just because if you because you have to use that as an excuse to continue to manipulate the people below you if they choose not to or if they want to take time off well I'm not taking time off or you know I understand that life gets rough but you just need to do more personal development you just need to clock in another workout have you drank your energized today that always helps me it's just yeah the level of mind manipulation is something that still I mean it irritates me beyond belief which is one of the reasons why I started my anti-MLM page because I just I'm like no no we the anti-MLM community has grown so big and so amazing and it's amazing to see all these people especially during the pandemic leave these organizations and I you know, seeing the anti-MLM community grow, it's like, no, we need more people out there sharing more stories, giving more examples, spreading more awareness so that more people see it, so that more people get out, more people know that they have people that they can talk to that are gonna get it. Exactly, exactly. Like, and that's why, like, we can't have too many people doing podcasts, doing YouTube channels, doing, making content on Instagram, making content on TikTok, making content on Facebook, like whatever you decide is right for you. Even if it's just sharing content that other creators make, like it's so important. And I know I say this all the time on here, but it's because it's really that important. And like, I know how scary it is to start posting because you don't know what people are going to say, but I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, it's going to be a positive reaction because there are more people in your life than you know that have been burned by this industry. Yeah, who have been burned by it because they personally experienced it or they have a loved one that they know was burned by it. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember I was really scared to start sharing my story because I felt so terrible about, I felt so guilty, so much shame about posting all the stuff that I knew. And I knew that even without intentionally doing it, I had very much misled the life I was leaving and, you know, what I was doing on a daily basis. And I, I, but once I started sharing, I got so much support, so much love from my support system, from other people who were also involved in MLMs. I have gone back to so many different people and said, I'm so sorry that I even approached you about this, or I'm so sorry that I said X, Y, Z, you know, while I was in, here's what I've learned thus far. Um, I mean, after I left, I did go to counseling. Um, I spoke with several different counselors. First counselor was not very supportive, didn't understand the MLM industry. So the second time I went out looking for counseling, um, I made a point, it was on an online platform. I made a point of posting a note on my, when I was searching for that counselor, I need somebody who understands multi-level marketing and who is anti-MLM um, because of what I went through and how much it's affecting me now. Because even a year after leaving, I was struggling with anxiety. I was struggling with like, you know, I just have these trauma, just trauma triggers. Um, and that, you know, after working in the trauma industry for 10 years, 
to have trauma triggers to a position that was a 1099 to a job that was a 1099 that was about fitness. Like that blew my mind. Here I have spent 10 years in the industry working with victims of violence so much, heard so many stories, experienced compassion fatigue, um, experienced burnout, you know, those all been through all of that. And yet the thing that was haunting me weren't, weren't, you know, weren't those experiences that I had already had in, a, in, in a working with victims of violence or survivors of violence, um, you know, but it was being the 1099 contracted employee for Beachbody. That I knew, I was like, okay, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. So I, there's, it's not, there's something wrong with the system. It's the organization. I don't know what's going on, but I need that help. And uh, so I started working with somebody who had been in the industry, the counseling industry for 20 plus years. She focused on trauma and she understood multi-level marketing tactics and how it works. Yeah, so getting that support from a professional who understood it, who got it, um, that is also what really helped me heal. And I started seeing counseling with her um, like a little after a year after leaving. But after that, when I was able to make sense of it all, you know, consuming more anti-MLM and, you know, information and not just hearing the horror stories, I think when you first get out is really great because you can say, oh, here are these people who have experienced what I've experienced, so it's not just me. And you don't feel alone. And you do stop or you start to stop feeling like a failure because you realize there's hundreds of other people who went through the same thing. We're not all failures. Um, and then having them break, you know, watching you know, these content creators break it down saying, here's a post, here's what's in this post that doesn't make sense or is complete deception um, or manipulation, or here's a training video. Here's why they're saying these things. Here's what this means. Helps you kind of understand why you went through what you went through or why they said what they said when leadership said things to you <laughs> and how that did affect you. Now, when but there does come a point where you, you know, especially if you were invested intensely in it for a long period of time, um, there does come a point where it's like, okay, but there's, there's additional mental health stuff that's happening here. Um, and that's where I got to that point where I was like, okay, now I need to get some professional help and I also to get over this, to move past this. And then I also need to start understanding why this happened, like what mentally happened that led to this. Um, I mean, life after MLM is so much better. I am present with my family. I could give a flying fig about social media. If I don't want to go on it, I don't go on it. And then I just celebrate the fact that I don't have anyone telling me to get back on. Um, I, I'm now, you know, providing, I'm working full-time for a great company. I'm still, I'm doing mental health work. 
um, you know, using my skills and really truly helping people like in in the last year, I counted my call logs and I had aided 6,744 people. I took 6,744 crisis calls last year and helped people that were in crisis. That's amazing. Right? Amazing. So I get to like celebrate the fact that I'm really, truly helping people now. I'm really, truly being me. I'm you know, present with my kiddo. I'm present with my spouse. My husband does have a partner who is pulling their weight and is healthy in this relationship. I mean, that alone, like that's one of my biggest pride moments that I remember the first time my husband took a sick day because he felt like, because he could, he didn't have to worry about the bills. And the first time he took a sick day, I cried. Because I knew that I was doing what I needed to do to take care of me and get back on track and providing for our family that he felt like he could relax after all of that. So, so much better. It's a survive to thrive story. And I'm very proud of myself. I'm very proud of you. Like, that's impressive. Like, all of this is so fantastic. And I'm so glad that you came on and shared your story. And like, this is, this is just such a good episode and I really hope that everyone enjoys it. Um, are you ready for the final question? I am ready. What's the final question? <laughs> what is your anti-MLM why? The why that oh, hopefully that... doesn't make you cry. <laughs> a why that makes me cry. Oh hopefully gosh. Not. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's a why that makes you proud. <laughs> Oh my gosh, my anti-MLM why, my anti-MLM why is helping, honestly, my anti-MLM why is being the healthiest person for myself so that I can be a healthy person and support the people that I care about, whether that's the people that come on my phone line and talk to me when they're in a rough place, or if that's the people who message me on Instagram saying your content helped me, or it, it, I, this is what I went through and I feel very seen and heard, whether it's being there for my spouse, my husband, my family, my kiddo, um, those, that would be my anti-MLMY, being the healthiest, happiest person for me so that I can be the help, so that I can support those that I care about so that they are also healthy and happy. And when I was in an MLM, I was not healthy and I was not happy, but I am now. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you were able to come on. Uh, this, this was just so fantastic. <laughs> I'm so glad that you had me. This was so much fun. Um, and, you know, I guess just keep going out there and keep spreading the word and you know, I hope that more people listen to this and that they have that bravery to share their story because your story is powerful. Absolutely. All right, everyone. I hope you have a fantastic Friday or whatever day you're listening to this and, um, bye. (laughs)